0: friends. Skull. Ooh. That's what's there. Ooh, damn. What is this magical nectar of the gods? I will tell you all about it.
1: So I'd like to dedicate this episode to my friend Gavin, who has gone on to the halls of Valhalla. He unfortunately lost his battle with COVID-19. Mm. And today we are drinking uh bottle of meat that he himself brewed wow. it was the last batch that he made wow so wow. we say skull and we dedicate this drink to you gavin
0: may the valkyries fly you off to glory you're here
1: yeah well thank you all for joining us listeners and our guests So who do we got today? You've got George. You've got
0: Tom.
2: You've got Hattie.
0: And you have Eric. And you've got another podcast coming. Hell yeah. yeah. And we welcome back
1: Eric as our first returning guest. And Eric is with us recording a double today. Mm -hmm. We are going to get to the song he requested for our next episode. But graciously... Eric agreed to also join us for this one, because Tom and I have been meaning to get to it for a while. Ladies and gentlemen, we're here to talk about Halls of Valhalla, and for the first
0: time, the album Redeemer of Souls. I think it goes without saying, Eric, great to have you back.
3: Great great to be here, guys, and uh, yeah, I had a blast last time,
1: and uh, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, and we've already heard your Judas Priest origin story, Indeed. but hey, I mean... If you want to tell us what you've been up to in the meantime, still working on your awesome Maiden A to Z show, and now hitting up some of those summer concerts in Europe as yeah. well, right?
3: Yeah, so uh, as we're recording this, I uh, yesterday got back from Gothenburg, which is sort of in the west coast of uh, Sweden. Uh, actually, we're me and my co-host, and uh, among other people, were lucky enough to see the Iron Maiden live uh, for the first time in four years, uh, oh, nice. uh, Friday night. So that was really fun. It still feels kind of surreal because I've been kind of waiting for it for so long that it sort of feels weird that, you know, I'm waiting it for, you know, it got postponed a few times. So it feels kind of weird that it's over now, but uh, yeah, had a hell of a good time, uh, hung out with a bunch of great people, had, you know, lots of beer, lots of uh, hanging out, listening to some great tunes. And it was, it was a, it was a very in- intense, but fun, like 48 hours.
0: Fantastic, man. Yeah. Always great to see your your faves when they come into town, especially yeah. after a long period of anticipation. Yeah. Lots of trooper beers were consumed, I hope.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh yes. They uh oh yeah at the all pretty much there's like there's several sort of uh, uh, pre-parties around town and they all had sort of gotten quite a bit of or quite a bit of trooper.
0: What were the what was the, what were the standout tracks of the night?
3: For me, it was really fun hearing um there's a song called Revelations. I really liked hearing that. And there's a song called Sign of the Cross. They did that. Uh, that's from the uh, X Factor album, which is not one of the more popular ones among a lot of fans. I really dig it.
1: That um, one really got brought back to the forefront by yeah. this recent tour. In fact, I think that's probably one of my top 10 Maiden songs. Maybe maybe top 10 is certainly yeah. at least top 20. Mm-hmm. They do some real interesting stuff there. With the song length going through it's multiple mm-hmm. changes and the Gregorian chanting, it's cool shit. And for like me, for me,
3: for me, that's that's probably the, the the best Maiden track of the '90s by far. You know, they had kind of a they they went through a rough patch there, and there's some good stuff there. But uh, that that for me is is legit. You know, amazing song. So that was really cool. And they did some new stuff, which was fun to hear. They they opened the the show with three tracks from the new the latest album. That was really cool. But essentially, this is a tour. Besides those three, they they, they switched out a couple songs and added a couple songs. But it's essentially the same tour they were doing uh, when I saw last time, in 2018. Mm. Um, so there were there weren't that many surprises. I knew the set setlist uh, going in, but it was still it was still was a, It was a great time. So
1: a little bit of new and a lot of nostalgia. Yeah. I mean, hey, we talked about the 50 heavy metal years tour and how there were I think five tracks from Painkiller. Yeah. And I think there was maybe one, maybe two songs from Post Painkiller, but very little. So, you know what? Sometimes you just got to get out there and play the classics.
3: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Definitely.
0: You've got your Run to the Hills. You've got the Trooper, Number of the Beast, presumably. Yeah. And let's be honest, people don't really get tired of
1: hearing Fear of the Dark, whether it's Mm -hmm. your second time or second hundredth time. (laughs) I, I, I did have a
3: period where I was kind of tired of it because I, they play, you know, it's every show, but like just the last two times sort of the, the initial magic. I felt the first time is definitely back for that one for me. That's at great. least live. I and mean, I don't listen to necessarily listen to that one at home very much uh, anymore. Cause it's one of those ones I've heard you know, quite a bit over the years, but uh, yeah, live. It was, it was great.
1: Right. Right. I think I could go a long time without ever listening to run to the Hills on my daily commute, but if yeah. I'm at a baby concert with three of my friends and we have our arms around each other's shoulders and we're just shouting run to the hills at the top yeah. of our lungs. I mean, come on, that's yeah, a great song. That never gets
0: old, dude. That's like no. that's like don't stop believing, bro. That yeah, song yeah. that song, well, for me it doesn't get old, but don't stop believing. Yeah. That I think I have a few friends who have described that as a drunk people song. Oh, that's, for not, sure. that's
1: not yeah. part of the yeah. truth.
0: This is really this. I don't know if you ever watched the show Gravity Falls. They do a, a, like a really brief parody where the, the song is called Don't Stop Unbelieving, and the yeah. lyrics are never, don't not feel your feelings. <laughs>
1: man, double negatives and triple negatives. Oh, Those God. are a trip. It man. still
0: breaks my brain whenever I think about it.
1: <laughs> oh man, Did you get a chance, Eric, to see Priest Live in any of your recent travels? I, know I have been not. they around Europe.
3: They have, but nowhere near where I've been. So unfortunately, I haven't, uh, I, haven't, I haven't seen them.
1: Lame. Yeah, I know. I'll cross my fingers for next year. They're
3: doing well. I mean, in theory, they're supposed to come here in, in May uh, with uh, with Mister Ozzy Osborne. I I'm not going to bet the ranch on that happening. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I was going to say, is that st- are those still like tentative plans? Yeah, I mean,
3: I've had the tickets for half a decade at this point, so it's getting kind of ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and speaking of Sweden, and speaking Indeed. of the Great White North, we should really get to the subject of today's episode, which is Halls of Valhalla off of Redeemer of Souls, an album that I'm actually not all that familiar with and don't care too much for.
1: Yeah, and I think that's something we definitely have to talk about. And as we've been taking a look at a little something from every album early in our run, especially coinciding with the anniversaries mm-hmm. of each of these albums, Redeemer of Souls is now eight years old and it kind of feels like it came and went it's an album that judas priest fans forget about and that kind of is punctuated by the fact that this is the last album where we are finally talking about a track from it Mm. so what exactly happened why is this album so forgotten that's something that i think we need to probably think about a little bit Mm. and Eric, maybe we'll start with you. Do you remember Redeemer of Souls coming out, and do you remember what you thought of it eight years ago?
3: Yeah, I, I remember that. For me, I kind of they kind of lost me a little bit on Nostradamus because I mean it, it's cool, but it didn't feel like that. And it felt a little overly complicated. There's some good songs in there, but it was not like it, it felt yeah just too big or something like maybe or, or maybe I, I maybe I'd enjoy it more now if I gave it another shot. But I, I didn't really get into it then. And this felt more like back to basics, back to, you know, these, these sort of very short to the point songs. So for me, this felt like a, you know, sort of return uh, to uh, return to form, really, in a lot of ways. There's some, uh, I mean, it starts right off the bat. Uh, it, it starts it starts off really strong. So, so I mean, I, I can't say that I'm familiar with the entire album in the sense that if you play a song from the latter half, I might not be able to go like, oh, it's that one. But for the most part, I think that uh, at least the first half is really tight and really good. I really enjoy it. It, it sort of got me back kind of into into sort of into the band a little bit after kind of maybe wavering a little wavering a little bit.
0: Yeah, it definitely seems like that was kind of the point too, is to try and get back some of the um enthusiasm that had been lost on the fan base after Nostradamus came out. You no, know, this is the first album that Richie Faulkner appeared on as well. Yeah. So there's definitely an energy in there. The song we're talking about today is very sort of. Fast-paced. I wouldn't necessarily describe it as an upbeat song, but it does get the blood flowing. Kind of gets you jumping. It's got a good chorus. Mm. Got all of the classic ingredients that make a good priest song.
1: Hattie, what is your impression of Redeemer of Souls? What do you remember from that era when it came out?
2: Oh boy! Let's, oh, I'm, we're going there, right? Okay. So, uh, I think I have told you people that i live with like extreme ocd and i have triggers so i have a very negative trigger associated to this album so i was not really uh listening to this like the whole album because it gives me very strange vibes however this album was the first one with richie faulkner and it was very highly advertised back then that I can clearly remember because I just uh, finished college and this is what I was doing, like going through YouTube and Facebook and everything. And Halls of Valhalla was actually more advertised and more popular than uh, Redeemer of the title track, I remember. And I was very excited about this album myself. But tragically, I (laughs) just didn't get with it so this is going to be the first time listening to this song with you people and i'm looking forward to it
1: it's that's really touching to hear and sad to hear in different ways sad to hear that you had the sort of hard time in your life and that negative experience associated with the release of this album But on the other hand, now you have your chance to re-listen and build positive associations with friends, maybe get a whole new perspective. And that's cool.
2: In your face, OCD. There
1: you go. That's it. So for me, Redeemer of Souls, it kind of came and went. I listened to it when it came out. And I kind of just said, well, it's all right. I I don't hate it. I don't love it. But And my opinion has changed over time, but I will say that the song that really stood out to me on the first listen was this one, Halls of Valhalla. Yeah. Uh, I got through Dragonaut. All right. It's OK. Got through the title track. All right. Pretty good. Mm. But then once Halls of Valhalla kicked in, I said, well, what is this? Now, this is a really rocket track. Mm. And I do enjoy a lot of this album now. But I think Halls probably is still the best song from it in my book.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. The only reason I chose Halls about Valhalla was because it was the first song that stood out to me on the, when I was listening to this. And I was like, all right, this sounds good. I'm going to talk about this one.
1: Well, you made a good choice
0: because, like I said, I think this is the best song on the album.
1: And it's the one that the band has played live the most. In fact, this is the only song that made it past the Redeemer of Souls tour. Really? interesting okay but hey we'll get to that i think it's about time we started our playthrough what do you guys think yeah let's do it
2: yeah sure.
0: okay so we all know the drill we're gonna play this bad boy from start to finish we'll go over it section by section Mm. yeah man that song has one hell of an opener it gets off to a real great
1: start like they have the fade in of the melodic passage it really evokes the imagery of a sort of epic journey and then at the 45 second mark or so once the drum beat kicks in and scott starts bashing it the whole almost like a painkillering kind of beat, then it's really on. That
3: first scream there, or the scream just... It it doesn't really get more metal than someone fucking screaming
0: Valhalla. At the top of their lungs. Yeah. Right? I mean,
1: Valhalla is a pretty metal thing to sing about.
0: Yeah, dude. Like, those of you who are even passingly familiar with Norse mythology and tradition will know that Valhalla is... The final resting place, not quite the final resting place because they're all preparing for Ragnarok, but it's the resting place of warriors who die with weapons in hand on the battlefield. And Norse mythology in particular is metal as hell. You can ask Han yeah. Marth all about that. They've made an entire career out of it. Like before there was heavy metal, there was Norse mythology. And this it's pretty grim. It's pretty cool. And so it, it just does not lack for good material to sing about. I agree. And I've got a
1: quote from Rob here. He says, when asked about the lyrics, I've written about a lot of things in my life as a lyricist, and I'm always trying to go one step further and into different places. There's a series on American TV called The Vikings. Yup, you've probably watched that show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Rob goes on to say, I love going to Scandinavia. And I love checking out the culture and the history of that place. The Norse mythology, I think about these things. And then four o'clock in the morning, I wake up wondering what I can write about to go with this great music. And then once we hit on the word Valhalla, the inspiration kind of followed from there. And we have this great classical topic that's been sort of canonized into the world of Judas Priest.
3: No, it, it's interesting because, you know I'm as an American living up here in Sweden. it's true that you know so Viking culture and that kind of you know Norse mythology is you know metal is all fuck. the uh, the sad thing about that though is unfortunately sort of a lot of Norse mythology and that kind of symbolism has sort of you know and sort of been hijacked by like Nazis and racist kind of people up here. Yeah. and I think that's that's it's it's not there, there's a re- there's many reasons for that. But the, one of the main things in Sweden, sort of the concept of national pride whatsoever, is very is non-existent. Essentially, if you're the least excited about being from here and Swedish, people will assume you are very you're, you're a racist or an Nazi, which is ridiculous. These fucking dickheads to uh, you know, they hijack Norse mythology into their sort of mm. thing. So you know, it's like fucking. I'd love to fucking go around like a huge metal. Thor's hammer around my neck, especially if it was a dude who shaves his head. There's no way I could do that because I yeah, I <laughs> yeah,
0: like, man. A, as like people who shave their heads, there's a lot that we cannot get away with. Yeah, yeah, and it, like you know, kind of sucks that like you know, Nazis weaponized that narrative of you're not allowed to be proud where you come from, and they use that to be like, oh, so Hitler was right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like it's it's a hell of a leap in logic, but it's really really effective
2: since when they cared about logic anyway.
1: No, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, true
0: enough.
3: So it's it's even, I don't know, it's, it's so weird. It's like, because like even you see, uh, like a few years ago we had, uh, there was a um, uh, sort of terrorist attack in sort of central Stockholm. And then people afterwards were putting Swedish flags on their um, uh, Facebook profiles. And there are some people sort of like that I know who are pretty sensible people, where you're like oh you know you shouldn't use you know the, the, we're trying to stop that instead of you know it's it's uh it's uh it's sort of ex, it's excluding other people and it's kind of flags are a symbol of exclusion and it's blah blah blah, blah. and it's like well no the reason that's the case is because you're making it the case you're, you're giving it to them by doing that
1: basically you know? yeah
3: yeah I and mean, i don't necessarily mean like you need to have like 75 swedish flags you know all over the place just to show you that, that's that's that might be a bit much um i think that maybe sort of like a healthy middle ground is extremism here and you get like maybe maybe some places in the states some people in the states go a bit overboard in the fourth of july i don't know
0: mm. so
3: somewhere in the middle is probably a healthy middle ground
0: yeah man like i say so yeah man like it's okay to be proud of like like i'm like i'm pretty like proud of like being raised in new york for example yeah. because there's a lot of cool shit that happens in new york and a lot of cool places in new york and people that's right, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know, like oh, the baggage that comes with being a colonizer, living on stolen land.
3: Well, I, like for instance, there's a sort of constant concept you see people that, that sort of is very foreign to people here. Is when you see people in the states talking about how they think you know they, they were you know that they see themselves living in the best country in the world. That doesn't necessarily mean. For me, I, th- I think you can feel that not necessarily looking down on someone else. You can just feel you what you have. You're very happy with what you have. Doesn't necessarily mean. That you're, by default, you're like, well, those guys over there suck because we are the best. That's yeah, not the yeah. Same thing. I think.
0: Yeah, you can have both. You can be proud. Yeah, definitely. You don't have to look down your nose at everyone from mm-hmm. the pedestal you've built for yourself. N- exactly. Yeah. All that being said, though, something cool that I've noticed, speaking of Valhalla, is oh. sort of like this resurgence in Norse paganism. and People seem to be more heavily identifying with the pantheon of Norse gods. Yeah. Paganism in general, i.e. religions outside that of the three major Abrahamic, it's mm-hmm. are growing in popularity as people start to find the fundamental teachings of Christianity and Judaism and Islam as they start to find those to be unsatisfactory yeah. to their modern sensibilities, which is hilarious to me because paganism predates all three of those religions to one yeah. extent or another and they are more in line with modern values. Hmm. Yeah. You see more like, I
3: mean, I've noticed like, for instance, these uh, various offshoots of like a satanic temple, which is sort of an offshoot of, uh, I mean, it's, it's sort of a a sort of variant of Satanism that, you know, has become really big in the last few years. Um, And, you know, you get more of that kind of stuff, which is just definitely reaction to a lot of the stuff going on around the world. Cause you know, I've talked a lot about my pod where I'm, very anti-organized religion, because I think it's it's used, it's it's, uh, it's poison, I feel. And it, it's, it's, yeah. if, you did, if you remove that from the world, I think a lot of people would be
0: a lot yeah. better off. I, I
3: don't necessarily mean that I'm against faith or believing in stuff. That's different. I don't think it's to be organized and sort of essentially weaponized. That's what it is.
0: Yeah. Agreed. Religion as a hierarchical structure of power.
3: Yeah,
2: I mean, actually, the followers have made it worse than what it actually was. Mm. I guess, like the zealots in every Uh religion, like Mm. they are the problem, not even the religion itself was, I guess, for what it purpose it was intended to serve initially. Mm. Mm -hmm. That's where the problem. We trample everything.
1: Yeah, definitely. Just so that's like an example the, yeah. listeners of humans ruining everything they taught.
0: <laughs>
1: it's interesting because I was, I was talking to uh,
3: a friend of a friend who was, uh, who, cause I, I, I linked something from the satanic temple on my Facebook page. And he's like, Hey man, do you want to help start a Swedish chapter? And I'm like, well, no, so no, I don't, because eventually that's going to get big too and we'll have yeah. different problems. That's going to be just not maybe on the same problems, but it'll again be at a certain size. It's going to yeah. have different, really bad problems. So I don't think yeah. you know
0: any organization that reaches a sufficient level of power and influence will become corrupt without exception. Power corrupts mm-hmm. and yeah. power corrupts.
2: Absolute absolutely. Power, power corrupts. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. yeah. I, I'm like categorically opposed to organized systems of faith. Whatever someone chooses to do on their own time and in their own personal life is of course, none of my business.
1: As long as you're not hurting anyone else, you can
3: do what I feel.
0: That's the main thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: Yeah. harmless, consensual, legal.
0: I don't care. I've said this before, and I'll say it again: consent is hot. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of consent, let's talk about Vikings. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
3: Do
1: you guys consent to hearing a little more of the song? Hell yeah.
0: those Mm. are great lyrics already. We're only on the first verse. Fierce
1: is the gale of the North Sea. We drink and rejoice from the chalice, holding the course through long nights and days. The ice and the hail bear no
0: malice. Mm. That line right there is beautiful because there's something very poetic about a frosty cold that does that cannot do you any harm, but is instead there. Simply to be what's it called? Simply to be beheld as beautiful and welcoming.
3: As I said, those are really poetic and beautiful lyrics. But it's interesting because I was sort of just in preparation for this, I was kind of looking around other songs about Vikings. It would seem seemingly easy, it should be easy to write a metal song about Vikings because again, it's it almost writes itself, it's very metal kind of. Subject matter, but it's very also easy to make it very cheesy and very ridiculous. And I saw a lot of things going through that did not succeed as well as this. These are these are really good lyrics.
0: And I like these because they're not over the top and they are very respectful of the subject matter. And it's Mm. like it kind of is more like Rob is speaking from like the place of an admirer and an observer, not so much as an adherent to Norse paganism. But he approaches the subject matter with the same level of reverence, regardless. Yeah. Very cool to see someone that like is that respectful. Yeah.
2: Well, that's Rob.
0: Yeah. That's yeah. Rob.
1: That's our metal god, guys. All hail. Yeah. I think when Rob eventually leaves us many years from now, he'll be ascending to Valhalla himself. Oh, I hope um, so. so. Hey, we cannot let that intro solo by Richie Faulkner pass without talking about that. Oh, my God. Let me play that one more time real quick.
0: I just, I can never get over how, clean and precise he is on guitar it's almost inhuman it's not fair no no it's yeah yeah richie faulkner either inspires you or like makes you give up immediately on guitar
3: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, he has the same kind of effect that adrian smith has on me and iron maiden because he also is one of those like insanely precise and just like everything is so It's just so, yeah, it's just amazing. It's, it's, it's,
0: uh, yeah. Like how, how do you even begin to get to a place like that as a musician?
1: Hmm. Yeah. We've gone on record with our praise for Richie. We've said that we don't think there would be Judas Priest without him. And the band has agreed with that sentiment. Like they were on a supposed farewell tour when KK Downing left the band all of a sudden And they brought Richie Faulkner just to fill in the shoes, but they had such a good chemistry that they felt like they had to keep it going. Now that's the official story. There are cynical fans who denounced that whole farewell thing as a publicity stunt, but. I think I'm going to take the band at their face value and say that they did actually enjoy working yeah. with
0: Richie because they're still together. Yeah. yeah. And as we all know, people never change their minds, they only lie about their true intentions. Of course.
3: Hmm. Yeah. It's so interesting because you get the thing like, you know, it's, it's so weird the sort of standards people hold bands to We're like, well, you know, they said they're going to do that. It's not allowed to change their mind. You know, people change their minds. People change their minds all the
1: time.
0: Yeah, uh, I change
1: my mind all the time.
0: Yeah, yeah dude. It, and I hate that. I feel like that's something that is really because of the internet mostly. Because, like, the internet, everything is set in stone forever. And if anyone ever heard you express an idea or an opinion or they saw you say it, then you have to believe that forever now. Yeah.
3: And yeah I remember when when they, when they were sort of on the, the rollout of this album and around that time, it did seem legit like they were, they were thinking about this is, this is it. We're just doing this is the end of this is the end. And I think that they got it like a, you know, I think they're, and something happened that inspired them. And now they're, you know, and now we have this sort of new era of the band, which I think is fucking amazing. Like firepower, firepower is, I mean, it's, we talked about last time, I think a little bit, it's just, it's amazing. It's just, it's it's insanely good. You wouldn't, you wouldn't assume a band of has been around that long could do that.
1: Yeah, I agree. And That ties into another point that I wanted to make like firepower gets really highly praised and redeemer of souls does not, but this was the album Richie Faulkner debuted on. So I don't know Did the band just not really have it yet. Did they need one more album to really click with each other?
0: I think so. I mean, you're working out this new chemistry with a band you're bringing on a person for the first time, they're giving their input. You really do have to kind of like learn to work with a person when you um, embark on a project with them for the first time. And Redeemer of Souls is a good return to form. It's pretty clear, though, that Richie brought a he completely revitalized this band. Yeah. And something mm-hmm. that had been missing in them for a very long time was suddenly there again. And I think what it was was enthusiasm. It was passion. It was like and I, I can only imagine how excited he must have been to be there. Of course, and Richie was a Priest fan before
1: yeah. he joined Priest, mm. just like Scott Travis before him. Mm. Scott Travis, in the 80s, he would try to meet the band after the show and beg them to listen to demos of him drumming so he could join the band. <laughs> That's
0: awesome.
2: I heard he also jammed in front of like, places this date or something. I'm not sure. If it I, would, might
0: be a rumor. I could totally believe that. And they must have heard that and been like, oh, man, that guy's really good. What are we going to tell Dave? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we can't kick out Dave. Let's just have fake drums for two albums.
2: <laughs> Let's just uh, piss
0: him off <laughs> enough until he leaves. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do the same thing with revocation. I'm just going to learn the, all of their material and then just like post YouTube videos asking them to hire me until they do. <laughs> No offense intended, mm-hmm. but no, I'm you've not. got a long way to go yeah, before man. you can
1: join Revocation. Yeah,
0: we've got many, many, many things to learn before <laughs> that happens. Well, who's up for a little more of the song? Mm-hmm. Uh, def- yeah,
3: we're getting to the good bit now, the, my favorite bit.
0: Let's hear it.
1: Priest style, Richie Faulkner throws in some little licks and some little leads in between the lines on the second verse to give it just a little bit more spice to make the second verse have a little variation from the first. And that's something a lot of classic Priest songs do too. And I, I have to praise that here.
0: Man, it's wild that that's like one of his greatest strengths is his ability to just throw in little licks just so willy-nilly and then just yeah. return right back into the, the main song. Yeah, the song, I agree with you, Eric. It's getting
1: really good now. The chorus is energetic. I love how Halfer just screams it out at the end with the I belong. And man, the lyrics continue to be great here. They really take you somewhere. They make you feel like you're sailing on a long ship through a storm. Yeah. The pre-chorus bit so build up the chorus
3: is is amazing it's just it's it's so yeah you know, i got i got i get goosebumps every time in that one right. um uh yeah i just love that bit and it's and i i i, I, I mean again no offense to any among the marth fans out there but i wish i think pretty much that this probably is it's better than anything that those guys ever did
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know i kind of wanted to say it i mean i marth like it's weird like because they're they've always I mean, their theme has always been Viking history and Norse mythology, and now it's yeah. really starting to feel gimmicky.
3: I mean, yeah, how many albums can you do about that, really?
0: I mean, that's all they do. So
3: apparently more than 10. Yeah. I mean, they they have like I think for me, they're they're sort of like they peaked with that at Twilight of the Thunder God, which is Agreed. a really good song.
0: That's yeah, an amazing I, song. I haven't really listened to anything post Twilight of the Thunder God. I think
1: a lot oh, of people you know,
0: tell you to stop
1: there. <laughs> Maybe the album after Surtur Rising.
0: Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's hard, though, when, like, you've built a career out of this and you've kind of pigeonholed yourself yeah, into it. true. And I, if I recall correctly, I could be wrong, but I don't even think those guys were really pagan when they started this <laughs> no, either. I, I think at first it was literally just a lyrical theme they were going with.
1: Man, so I love how Halford screams it out at the end of the chorus. I belong, but in the second instance of the chorus, he goes even harder on that scream. Yeah, let's hear that. Yeah. sounds like a nice classic judas priest part
0: yeah that is
1: yeah. very reminiscent I'm gonna of like <laughs> screaming. huh
2: no it's it's very emotional like right? it brings out a lot out of you
0: yeah yeah I mean, i'll do it a hundred percent like it, it like it kind of like gives you a chill it makes you feel things you know like it very much reminds me of like screaming for vengeance their little um harmony that they have after the guitar solo yep.
1: Yeah, or jawbreaker right before they go into the solo mm. that where there's just a really clean harmonious sounding passage mm. and it's pleasing to the ears that's what we were getting right there
0: mm.
1: yeah it's interesting
3: because you know as far as guitar harmonies go uh obviously a lot of times priests they're I mean, not just guitar harmonies but you know, both priests and maiden tend to sort of sometimes get compared to one another even though they're not really that similar whatsoever you can definitely hear that here. You know these kind of guitar harmonies part because this, this these guitar harmonies sound very Judas Priest, mm. they do not sound you know maiden whatsoever. And the same, take the other side of that coin, maidens and guitar harmonies do not sound like Judas Priest. It mm. just, I guess, it's uh, it's just very interesting how uh, you can just arrange notes of something that's on paper is somewhat similar that's completely different in the real, you know, in the real in practice. That sounded a lot better in my head, so you're welcome to edit that out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I understand what you're saying, I, I get it. They both have two very unique styles that even though they're doing the same thing on a technical level, they feel vastly different from one another. Yeah, Like, you know, a priest harmony and a maiden harmony are are two completely different variations of the same thing.
1: There you go. Yeah. Well said, Tom. Thank you. And now that we've gotten so much guitar talk down, is anyone ready to hear Richie Faulkner's delicious solo?
0: Mm, Always. Hell yeah.
2: Bring it on.
1: The solos on this album, I don't think they're listed in the liner notes, but I suspect most of them are Richie, and not as many of them are Glenn Tipton due to his battle with Parkinson's.
0: He's mm. really in full swing by this point, right?
1: Yeah, and when you look at the live videos of Hall's Valhalla, you can confirm it's Richie. Not that you really need to because, well, it definitely sounds like him. Well, here we go. But first, we've got the bridge passage with more great Halford singing, including a little bit of pseudo-growling.
0: That's a hell of a solo. Just again, every single note, the timing is so precise. I I have no idea what like supernatural abilities Richie Faulkner possesses. He was born to be in this band. He was born to be a guitarist, like straight up. He was like molded to be a guitarist in Judas Priest. Yeah. Definitely. No, one... it, yeah. No, no, go ahead, Eric.
3: I'll say it's so cool that it's like, it's fast as fuck, but it's also very heavy and aggressive. Yeah. A a lot of times when you sort of, these really fast things tend to lose a bit of heaviness, I feel just because it's, you know, I don't, that's just my opinion, but this sounds like really aggressive and really just fucking heavy and like lightning fast.
0: Mm. You know, can we just talk about something real quick? I'm not sure if it's necessarily germane to this discussion, but, you know, compare this to death row, which we talked about last time where you have an instance where you're missing one me- member of the priest lineup and it doesn't sound anything like priest i mean kind of but not really like it's priest on there and all the members are there and they're all playing but it's not really them and then you hear we'll this turn it where,
2: really depressed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then like you've got this where this sounds so much like priest and it just it's so perfectly shows off that we've got a new lineup this is what we're working with it's a return to form but it's fresh and the key ingredient here is Richie yeah yeah whereas you took something away before it's like you've added something now uh-huh. when KK
1: Downing left the band Richie Faulkner redeemed their souls yeah there we go all right let's wrap this song up yes sir Ooh. friends that's halls
3: of Valhalla. oh such a such a
0: great 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 song you know that song would be right at home on firepower i feel like
1: Mm -hmm. most of the songs on redeemer would be and i think that the part that i hear the most people complain about is the production really yeah and the album for a lot of people it has what i've heard described as A sort of wet sound and a little too mechanized and less crisp and i can sort of hear that now this album was produced by tipton in collaboration with mike exeter and i mean listen it's self-produced under the guidance of someone else and you know how I feel about self-produced albums. Now, if this one was produced by Andy Sneap, mm. did Firepower, if if these songs on Redeemer sounded what, with the same crisp, crunchy guitar as Firepower has, mm. I think that people would look at it totally different.
0: Yeah, Glenn Tipton has to stop producing albums. <laughs> Dude, just play guitar, please, for the love of God.
3: I, I, I can understand some of those comments about that I, I get that a little bit especially compared to other stuff that you know uh, uh it didn't necessarily bother me yeah but I, I i can understand it
0: yeah i don't really mind the production i think the production quality is good like i i mean i certainly didn't think it left anything to be desired
3: i mean i've, I've heard i've heard worse albums production wise that i have uh that i'm able i'm able to get through either way this this is fine i mean there might be a bit i think there's a few Instances where they maybe went a little too crazy on you know, like the the reverb on certain bits, and that sounds very sort of well re- reverby. That's not a really a word, but it is no, now. It is now. I, get, um, I get what
0: you're saying, and and yeah, it is now. I mean, that, that's, listen, there's a bit of that, but you know, listen, monsterful is not a word either. But I'm gonna make no. damn sure it is.
1: Well, you got to start saying it more. It's been like 20 episodes since you said monsterful. monsterful. You're right. You're, you're not doing a very good job of well, making it a thing. Well, that's, absolute, that's a great word. You could be, you could be helping. If I was helping, then I wouldn't be an asshole, and we simply can't have
0: that. Yeah, that's true. Now, what does the <laughs> word monsterful mean? Monsterful is a word I made up. It's a combination of like monstrous and masterful, <laughs> where like someone is just ripping on guitar so fucking hard that they are a monsterful player. You would describe Richie Faulkner as a monsterful guitarist,
2: yeah, wouldn't you, Tom?
0: I would, yes. He's a monster. Oh, well. okay. So I, I just tweeted hashtag monsterful. Uh,
2: nice! <laughs> yeah. right. Please don't let uh, Team Reaper once see it. He would like make a Wait, what? Out of it. Team Reaper once would make a different meaning out of it. Monsterful. He might uh, identify uh, himself as one.
0: Oh, God, no. We're not letting him take that word. No, that's my word, goddamn. Boom. Just like we don't let Gene Simmons take the Devil Horns, which he claims he, <laughs> which he claims that he invented.
1: Shut the fuck up, Gene. You <laughs> go. Whether it was or not, that's the story I'm going with. Dio, Dio. Dio
0: had a really funny anecdote about that. He said, "And Gene Simmons claims he invented it, but then again, Gene invented shoes and breathing and everything else."
3: No, <laughs> no, just because considering, uh, I, I think a Dio was probably seems like a pretty humble kind of cool dude. I'm not necessarily sure his manager/slash wife was. So I'm assuming (laughs) has she she tried to fucking copyright or patent the the devil horns at any point? Because it seems like something she would do if there was any sort of.
0: I I don't know anything about his um, his marital affairs. So you're a better authority than I am.
1: I'm willing to bet that she consulted and asked a lawyer if she could and was told no. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm willing to bet that much. Yeah.
3: I think also probably just just the fact that Gene Simmons tried and failed to do it, because he did try to do it. Yep. It's like, yeah, it ain't happening. Uh,
0: I also think that they tried to sell air guitar strings, and it was it, oh really God. just an empty bag of air. <laughs> <laughs> like Kiss yeah. did that. They,
3: that sold, they sold you air, bro. I mean, there's things like, I mean, I know like the, the uh, they've had so many weird merchandising ideas, I, and the Kiss coffin isn't even the worst one of those. I could, I could see. Oh, God. That's that's fine. I mean, you got like, you know, both Dimebag and Vinnie are in one of the or two of them. I don't think they're in the same one. That'd be weird, um, depending how expensive they are, I guess. Uh, but, you know, I, I, there's worse. I, I, there's other bands I figured, you know, like if they've made in the coffins, you know, I, you know, I'd be fine. I might, you know, you know when the time comes. Sure. Why not?
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm not a coffin guy myself. I really need Judas Priest to make nice ceremonial mm-hmm. funeral urns for me to be oh, yeah.
0: and dead ass. Oh, and by the way, the Kiss air guitar strings are real.
1: Oh, good. good. <laughs> oh no,
2: that's not good.
0: Oh, no, terrible.
2: Hashtag capitalism. No
0: yeah, that's it. You want it's to talk it seems about like the, a... the invisible hand of the free market? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
3: it's, it's so weird that like you know Kiss get a lot of shit because of their weird merch. You know, their sort of a uh, their merchandise and all that kind of stuff, and they, you know. There's other bands who do just as weird stuff and like, you know, these sort of goes unexamined. I mean, as much as I love Maiden, they've had some weird ideas through the years too. Yeah. Uh, not, n- nothing as weird as, um, you know, you know, uh air guitar strings, but I mean, th- if, like there's no, there's no, and, and there's no world where fucking Iron Maiden barbecue tongs are, is not selling out a little bit.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 I
1: wear a Judas Priest apron when I cook. There you go. But that's fun. That's again, it's sort of like that's
3: sort of a fun thing. And I don't I don't necessarily see anything wrong with that. It's, you know, nah. if you don't if, if people like if you don't want to have a kiss coffin or a kiss air guitar strings or a kiss, you know, fucking pregnancy test or whatever they're selling, don't buy it then. That's fine. <laughs> Other people will buy it.
0: Yeah, yeah, vote, man.
3: Vote with your dollars.
0: Yeah. Merchandising is fine. Vote with your wallet if that's what you want. Just don't buy your yeah. guitar strings. There you go. I make
3: my own air guitar strings. So yeah, yeah, dude, <laughs> my, air, my
0: air guitar strings have been—they've been—they've been set up perfectly for twenty years. Yeah, they never go. Yeah, like well, I was gonna say, before we leave that, in the music industry, there was a saying that most rock bands wanted to be the Beatles. Kiss wanted to be Coca-Cola. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they wanted that brand recognition. So, guys. Yeah, definitely.
1: Have we got some wrap-up thoughts on Halls of Valhalla Mm
3: -hmm. and
0: Redeemer of Souls? While we're on the subject of KISS. Indeed. (laughs) Uh,
3: Why why don't you go first? Because I I, I feel like I've I've been talking quite a bit (laughs) the last few minutes.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and really compliment the last instance of the chorus where they add those background vocals, and it really gives a nice extra bit of power to that last sort of ramp-up. So let me just play that one more time. Mm Yeah, see that adds a nice little bit of energy to it, yeah. and I think that's great to have in the last chorus because you want the song to keep building and building and give you a good payoff. Mm-hmm. Overall, like I have to say, I don't have any complaints about Hall's of Valhalla. I think this is a really good priest song. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah,
3: it, this is, uh, go ahead, Eric. This is it. So- it sounds it sounds. Uh, it, this is it could just easily be sort of a quote unquote classic era tune from one of the albums it sounds uh it, it sort of has a sort of a timeless kind of uh vibe but there's certain songs on other albums maybe you can very much like well this is very dated to this particular era this seems like it could have fit in multiple different kind of periods of the band i feel it's uh yeah i just i uh, can't say enough nice things about it it's uh it, it's great
2: yeah good 100% with eric on that like it being timeless like it could sound like what they did in 80s in certain places and also have the Viking teams, what they did for the first time. So, yes, I think it's like classic first experience with Viking here on it. Yeah. It's amazing.
0: Using a familiar template to, sco- to explore unfamiliar territory. That's right.
1: Exploring the new territory of Valhalla mm. and exploring it with a new team member. Because as we've mentioned so many times, it's the first Richie Faulkner album. And ah. they managed to integrate him in a way that makes this sound like classic priest, but with that unique little spice, he brings like solos that are just fast and furious, like something that when and KK would not play because they had totally different styles of soloing. Yeah, definitely. That's hmm. yeah, I, I rich, which is, uh,
3: is amazing. I'm fucking, you know, we almost lost him not too long ago. So I'm really glad that he's back yes. up, back on his
1: feet and you know, back doing what he's supposed to be doing. Same here, man. And he really elevates this album. As far as my overall thoughts on Redeemer of Souls, I guess I'll get into my whole spiel now. This is to you, listeners. Have you ever had an album that is one of your favorites, but you just didn't like it or couldn't get into it the first couple times you heard it? Maybe it was something like Defenders of the Face. Maybe it was something like Led Zeppelin's Physical Graffiti, where you had to listen a few times before it clicked and you said, oh, okay, this is why this is good. I mean, Redeemer of Souls has a little bit of that in it, and I'm not going to tell you it's an amazing album, but it's certainly good. And if you're not a fan of Redeemer, I'm here to tell you, there are more great tracks on this album than you probably think there are. And nowadays, in the context of there being 17 other Judas Priest albums and a basically unlimited amount of music that you can stream for free, you're not as inclined to go back and give an album a fourth or fifth listen to try and get the songs to sink in. You're more likely to listen to something once or twice, and then give up on it. And I think Redeemer is one of those albums that I had to listen to several times over the course of years before I the songs finally started sticking in my head and I started liking them more. But I got there, and I'm glad I did. This is not a top five Priest album, but there's good stuff on it, and I think it's a little better than... What it sort of gets looked
0: at for being a less popular Priest album. Fantastic, mm, definitely. I think that sums everything up rather succinctly. Yeah.
1: Well, listen. If you disagree with me, I mean, feel free to get in your criticism, and that that goes for you, the hosts, and mm-hmm. you, the listeners, too. Just write me in and tell me I'm wrong. But I mean, hey, I mean, Tom, Eric, Hattie, what else you got?
2: Well, I think I have a prediction that this album will be praised in like a, in later decades because you know, as you say, like there are so many materials to you know uh, explore and all that. And when there will be more new materials to explore, and this will be like quote unquote classic, people will get back to it and possibly appreciate it more than what we are doing right now. And possibly time will be also another reason, like, uh, you know, we like things that are of past, and that might also might become another reason for this to be taken like with more reference.
1: I agree with you totally. And that's another thought that I've had, like if this album came out in 1984, instead of Defenders of the Faith, Totally wacky hypothetical scenario, but let's imagine this is the album we got in 1984 and we grew up listening to this. Would we enjoy and revere this album the same way that we do with Screaming for Vengeance and Defenders of the Faith right now? I mean, we'll never be able to know because we don't have those sort of years of context with it yet. But at at the same time, like, I will recognize this was not an album. As instantly impactful as Firepower, and this album is no, not either. as good as Firepower. I'm just saying it's better than its reputation, mm. and make of that <laughs> what you will.
3: It's very interesting because we have a sort of the same thing in our pod where you get because we have listener, we have uh, guests and listeners from all kind of uh, who, who got into the band at various different stages of the life and very different areas of the band, and it's a sort of later, younger listener, younger fan. I feel. Are more open-minded to the newer stuff because for them when they came in that still was the old stuff and in the sort of the fact that it's, you know the sort of the stigma of this is the new album i'm not supposed to like this one or or the fact that if it's it's a band you've listened to for 20 years and they release something new it might be hard to get into but if you're coming into the band and it's already part of their arsenal and it's like then it, that too is part of the classic you know the ones uh you know you, mm. i think that also that's sort of like so if you give this a few years This too will be seen as one of the one of the classics. They probably all will. Nostradamus as well will definitely sort of be something that people look back on, probably more fondly in a few years than they were, you know, when initially came out. I don't necessarily know the response
1: was when it came out, to be fair, but um,
3: I can't imagine people.
0: Yeah,
1: but it has its fans. Yeah, and that is an album I look forward to getting back to, and I look forward to getting back to Redeemer because this album has a lot of songs. It came with a bonus disc and in total that deluxe version has 18 songs yeah. so we're gonna have to return to this album quite a few times so if you don't know it well yet well you're gonna get to know some of them you're gonna get to know those songs a little better through this podcast and hopefully we'll turn you on to one or two more that you end up liking mm-hmm. and that's really what we're trying to do here if you're a casual fan We'll try and take you through some of the songs you might not know, and maybe you'll find some new ones you like. And if you do, we'll have accomplished our mission. Hell yeah! That being said, that being said, I want to thank you for coming on board to help us out with this episode, Eric. You gave us a lot of great commentary, and we are going to have you back in a few minutes because we're recording a double. But for your listeners. We'll see you in two weeks, and we're going to take just a little break now. But because this is the end of the episode, we'll do the outro anyway. So until next time, listeners,
0: stay locked in and and keep keep defending the
2: the faith.